Hello and welcome everybody to the Book of Jude. I'm so excited about this episode. I believe we're going to be talking about the number one most misused Bible verse there is. I think that this one, this Bible verse found in Jeremiah, uh, you already know what I'm about to say, Jeremiah 29, 11, this Bible verse is, is misused the most all the time. People do not understand the context. And then, if that's not enough, we're going to be talking about the Roman Catholic Church. But first, I have yet another announcement. Germany, we're welcoming listeners in Germany. So if you're keeping count, and I know that you are, that's the United States, of course, South Africa, Ireland, Philippines, Luxembourg, and now Germany, we welcome you. Let's continue our series on the most misused Bible verses. This week, Jeremiah 29, you know, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Now, I went on to verse 13, but everyone knows Jeremiah 29, 11. Everyone says it. It's popular, easy to memorize, not too difficult to understand, a powerful message, a great promise, prosperity, protection, and a hope for a great future. Here's my question. Is this an appropriate use of this verse to put God on the hook for a life of prosperity and blessing that fits my timeline and my definition. So what was going on? Remember, in past episodes, Kyra and I taught you that you must ask and answer, attempt to find the answer to certain questions. And A couple of those is the who and when. Who is the audience that Jeremiah is writing to? And when did this take place? So in biblical history, this was a time of despair. Life was horrible for God's people. Their kings and spiritual leaders were filled with corruption. They have turned away from God and disobeyed his commandments by being unequally yoked with unbelievers and being persuaded to worship their gods. They had indeed broken their covenant with God. And who is the author? Jeremiah, the prophet, God's chosen messenger. Prophets would preach, teach, advise kings and leaders, and also predict the future. This time, however, Jeremiah was called to proclaim God's judgment, and wrath on the people. The message is clear. Israel was to be conquered and carried off into exile for a very long time by their enemies. Now, if you go back to chapter 28 in Jeremiah, you will find the false prophet with a false message. Hananiah delivers a message of hope and popularity. 
Only two years of judgment and exile, not 70, not seven zero, only two years. Jeremiah delivered news to Hananiah. God would remove him from the face of the earth, Jeremiah 28, 15 to 16. In the seventh month of the same year, Hananiah died, verse 17 of chapter 28. So Hananiah, we see, was telling people what they want to hear. Do you realize how devastating that is? Let's let's remove ourselves from this story that happened so many years ago because it has nothing to do with us. And let's try to apply um, these same scenarios. People, uh, quote unquote, pastors standing on the platform behind the pulpit telling the audience what they want to hear. It's devastating. Jeremiah, the true prophet of God, was telling the people what God was going to do. He was telling the truth. He was not trying to uh, gain an audience. He was not trying to get more people in the door. He was not trying to uh, sound good and be friendly to everyone and give them a good message. He was preaching the truth. I have been in church all my life, and, and one sermon... Uh, one theme that we are slowly missing, or we're missing it, and it's slowly being taken out um, from sermons from pastors today, is the sermon on repentance. Telling people their sin, telling people to turn away from it, telling people that you're either serving self or you're serving God. All right, back to the story. All the Israelites would go into exile for 70 years. Most would not even make it out alive. Do you understand that? The next 70 years exiled into Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, would be rough, just to say the least. Uh, They were forced into slavery. However, they were encouraged to settle in, build houses, plant gardens, marry and have children, and to make the best of this bad situation. Think about that. Let's say I'm 50 years old and Jeremiah just told me I'm going into 70 years of exile as a slave. Am I making it out? Probably not. But but I, I heard Jeremiah say that God has plans to prosper me, not to harm me, but I'm, I'm literally walking into 70 years of slavery. So if there's anything we can take from this and apply it to our life is to be warned not to be deceived again by false prophets telling lies, making false promises, and preaching messages that were all about pursuing self-centered dreams at the expense of following God. God's people We're looking at 70 years of hard labor, a season of fatherly discipline that would last beyond their lifetimes, all the while being dominated and subjected to the humiliation of being slaves to their enemies. Instead of just reading Jeremiah 29, 11, because it sounds good, I invite you to read Jeremiah 28, and then let's go into 29, and I'm just going to read Jeremiah 29, 10 to 14. So 11 is going to be in there, but let, let's read 10 to 14. This is what the Lord says. 
You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days, verse 12, when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. Who is God talking to? The Israelites. God is talking about his plans to once again restore his people, prosper them, and literally bring them back from Babylonian captivity. Jeremiah was hated, forced from his home, and thrown into prison. So not only did Jeremiah have to speak the truth and bring the bad news, he was hated for it. Forced from his home, thrown into prison. Do you know this about Jeremiah? I I invite you to read the book of Jeremiah. Everyone knows Jeremiah 29, 11, but you don't know the story. Now, having read all that, should Israel be looking for short-term, I deserve the best right here, right now kind of blessing from God? How long were they to be exiled slaves? 70 years. Will most of them see this promise of verse 11? No. It is the responsibility of this older generation to make sure the younger generation stays true to God's commandment. So if I'm 50 years old, I'm going into 70 years of exile, being a slave. I know I'm not going to make it back, but I'm going to make sure that this younger generation knows exactly why we're here. So when they are brought back, when God's promise is fulfilled, they know stick to what God says, obey his commandments. So I could quote Jeremiah 29, 11 all day long. It has nothing to do with me. And I'm challenging you. If you quote Jeremiah 29, 11 for anything, I, I'm challenging you that you probably don't know the story. I mean, that's the only explanation I can come up with. You don't know the whole story. Here's some things to remember from the story. God was talking to a nation, not an individual. That's number one. And that nation was the Israelites, a nation that was about to go through 70 years of headache and pain before any hope of freedom. So the only other application we can bring from this is that we have a future hope in our creator, in almighty God. There's no guarantee of blessing in the short-term sense. There is for the ultimate and eternal sense. We're going to be with God one day. This is not about my immediate American dream lifestyle, houses, cars, families, jobs, checking, savings account, 401k, you name it. Put yourself in the shoes of the exiled ones of God in their 70 years of slavery. This is their promise, not yours. But if you want the promise... Would you be willing to accept the entire life of the Israelites? Could you handle that? 
Would you still love, serve, and seek after God with the same intensity? We should never be looking and living for our own glory in this life. We should be living for God's glory now and waiting for the glory that we will receive from him in the life to come. Your Bible tells you that you should consider yourself aliens and strangers in this world. We cannot twist or misuse scripture to make it happen in the here and now. Our hope of God's plans for us is spiritual. Reconciliation, forgiveness, peace, and fellowship with him. Fruits of the spirit, answers to prayers, joy in uh, worship, fellowship with like-minded believers serving one another. In no way, shape, or form uh, can we claim Jeremiah 29, 11, because you wouldn't claim Jeremiah 29, 10 or anywhere else that talks about heartache and, and, and devastation and exile and slavery. And, but you just want to, it's, it is unfair. If, if you care enough about God and his chosen people, the Israelites, then that, that is so, uh, disrespectful to say, okay, Israelites, I see that you went through this horrible time, but you know, verse 11 looks looks pretty good. I think I'm gonna, gonna take that. No, it does not work like that. And this is why this is one of the most, probably number one, the most misused Bible verses out there. Hey, if you are enjoying the Book of Jude podcast, I invite you to swing over and hit like on the Book of Jude Facebook page. You can follow us. You can see additional content. It's a way for us to communicate, encourage one another. So I invite you to visit the Book of Jude Facebook page. Hit like and follow. Thank you very much and God bless you. Welcome back to the Book of Jude. I have the daunting task today. Uh, we're going to continue the World Religion series, and today we're going to be talking about the Roman Catholic Church. Yes, I have it right here. I want you to know that uh, everything I'm talking about is for information purposes only. It is not to put anyone down. I was a chaplain assistant in the Army. I work for, I knew many Catholics, still do. I work for priests, actual Catholic priests. Uh, in my work today as a hospital chaplain, I serve Catholics, uh, patients, and, and staff members of the hospital. I work closely with deacons of the Catholic Church and priests. I'm in communication with them. So uh, make no mistake about it. This is not to put anyone down. This is for information only. And so with that being said, let's go ahead and start. The Roman Catholic Church contends that its origin is the death of resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ in approximately A.D. 30. The Catholic Church proclaims itself to be the church that Jesus Christ died for, the church that was established and built by the apostles. The Catholic Church does not have its origin in the teachings of Jesus or his apostles. So in the New Testament, there is no mention of the papacy, worship, adoration of Mary, Immaculate Conception of Mary, the Perpetual Virginity of Mary, the Assumption of Mary, or Mary as someone to be petitioned or prayed to or part of our worship. 
petitioning saints in heaven for their prayers is something else you don't find in the New Testament. Apostolic succession, the ordinances of the church functioning as the sacraments, infant baptism, confession of sin to a priest, purgatory, indulgences, or the equal authority of the church tradition and scripture. These are things you do not find in the New Testament, and these are differences between uh, a Protestant church and a Catholic church. Now, in AD 325, Constantine called the Council of Nicaea in an attempt to unify Christianity. Constantine envisioned Christianity as a religion that could unite the Roman Empire, which at that time was beginning to fragment and divide. While this may have seemed to be a positive development for the Christian church, the results were anything but positive. Just as Constantine refused to fully embrace the Christian faith, but continued many of his pagan beliefs and practices, so then the church, the Christian church that Constantine and his successors promoted progressively became a mixture of true Christianity and Roman paganism. Let's talk about the Pope being the vicar of Christ. Calling him this implies that he has the same power and authority that Christ had over the church. The title is derived from Jesus' words in John 21, 16-17, addressing Peter, telling him to feed my lambs and take care of my sheep. This, according to the Catholic reasoning, defines Peter as the prince of the apostles, the first pope, and fulfills the words of Jesus in Matthew 16, 18 to 19, calling Peter the rock upon which Jesus will build his church. And what about communion? The Roman Catholic Church has a doctrine called transubstantiation. This teaches that once an ordained priest blesses the bread of the Lord's Supper, it is literally transformed into the actual flesh of Christ, though it retains the appearance, odor, and taste of the bread, and as well as the wine has the same appearance, odor, and taste, but it literally turns into the blood of Christ. So the bread turns into the flesh of Christ, the body of Christ, and the wine turns into the blood. Now, I'll be the first to admit that if you ask a Roman Catholic, why in the world do you believe this? This doesn't make sense to me as a Protestant. Uh, I do practice communion, obviously. It's either juice, uh, crackers, or bread, but it's, it's symbolism to me, symbolizing Christ's death, of course, broken for me. But if you ask a Roman Catholic, they will tell you that, number one, Jesus said, this is my body broken, and this is my blood that was shed. He, he literally said that. And another time, Jesus told them if they don't drink his blood, eat his flesh, they have no part of him. And this is when a lot of them turned away from him and just deemed him crazy, basically, and said, what in the world is this guy talking about? So we do have something to talk about here. But here, here's the most serious issue I have with transubstantiation. And I believe it should be rejected. I do not believe it's biblical. So the Roman Catholic Church is basically re-sacrificing Jesus for our sins. You might hear them say re-offering or it's a re-presentation of his sacrifice. 
This directly contradicts what Scripture says, that Jesus died once for all. And he does not need to be sacrificed again. You can find that in Hebrews 10, 1 Peter 3. So we can read Hebrews 7.27. It declares that unlike the other high priest, he, Jesus, does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. First his own sins, first for his own sins, of course he doesn't have to do that, and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed their sins once for all when he offered himself. So basically, whenever you have a mass, whenever you they uh, take communion, the Pope has the authority and the power to call the body and blood of Jesus down and re-sacrifice him over and over. And I know that sounds very far-fetched because it is. I mean, you believe, they believe that they have the ability that that the the wafer, the cracker, the bread, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but uh, the Eucharist is what they say, is the actual body and that the wine is the actual blood of Christ. Salvation is different according to the Roman Catholic Church. They teach salvation is with infant baptism, a baptismal regeneration that begins there, and it's maintained through the Catholic sacraments unless a willful act of sin is committed that breaks the state of sanctifying grace. And even in the realm of baptism, the Roman Catholic Church teaches baptismal regeneration of infants. And this is a practice never found in Scripture. And by the way, let's stop. There are Protestant uh, denominations that do practice infant baptism. I know that. But I don't believe it's in Scripture. Uh, let me say it like this. Uh, I can dedicate my children to the Lord, and but I believe that uh, baptism comes after salvation and that it's an outward expression of an inward experience. We've all heard that before. But baptizing a baby in the effort to regenerate them, to save them, that's a work. That's works. The Holy Spirit is the one who regenerates us, whether a baby is uh, baptized or not. So we have baptism. We have these works to trying to save someone. We have salvation. The, uh, there's willful acts. When you commit a sin, you can break. You can be unsaved, maybe. So the assurance of salvation is not there. Salvation cannot be guaranteed or assured if you are a Roman Catholic. And we have good works to assure ourselves that we remain saved or become saved, right? So according to the, the Catholic Church, Christians are saved. You know, they, they, they're infant baptized, they do the sacraments, and they do works for merit. So what about these good works? First, if I'm baptized as, as an infant, that's number one. And salvation is then maintained by the good works I do, receiving the sacraments, confession of sin to a priest, etc. And when we're praying, when they pray, and their prayer life is different. They teach Catholics uh, to not only pray to God, but also to petition Mary and the saints of their prayers. Again, that is not in my Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it say to pray to Mary, 
petition Mary, pray to the saints, petition them, not once. Most Catholics would not buck up against the system because of the priesthood. The Roman Catholic Church teaches that there is a distinction between the clergy, the priest, and the lay people, the congregation. Whereas in the New Testament, we are taught in 1 Peter 2, 9 that the priesthood, there, there's a priesthood of all believers. All believers are anointed. All believers are the priesthood, meaning I can pray to God. I don't need to, I don't need another priest to, one, do that for me, or tell me what to do, uh, tell me the works to perform to gain that forgiveness. So these works are sacraments. The Roman church the Catholic Church teaches that a believer is infused with grace upon reception of these sacraments. So as I'm doing good works and participating in the sacraments, I am receiving grace. More grace, additional grace that is needed, uh, that wasn't taken care of by Jesus on the cross and the forgiveness of sin. There's, a, there's extra things to be done. And when I go to confession, they teach the, unless a believer is hindered, the only way to receive the forgiveness of sins is by confessing them to a priest. No, I do not believe that. And there's nothing wrong with going to your spiritual leader for advice, uh, confessing your sins to one another, as it does say in our Bible, but to go to a to, to anyone, to go to anyone and ask you know your sins against God and ask and confess it to them in order to uh, gain forgiveness in order for them to direct you to do works that that is totally different and everything surrounding by Mary they have doctrines I mean you could look it up and read it uh, Mary is the queen of heaven a perpetual virgin now, this is what the Catholics believe. They believe that Mary remained a virgin her entire life. Even though in the Bible it talks about Jesus' four brothers and multiple sisters. And they're all half-brothers and sisters, of course, because Joseph is not uh, Jesus' biological father. We all know that. And as you and I know, the phrase... Immaculate Conception, pertaining to Jesus, of course, they give this title or label to Mary. So these are things you can look up. I, I've had many Catholics tell me they do not worship Mary. And they they may not worship Mary. They may not petition Mary. They may not pray. I, I get that. Every Catholic is different. Every Every person I talk to is different, but the doctrine remains the same. Just like the Jehovah's Witnesses, just like the Mormons, Catholics have a doctrine, a long history of doctrines and teachings and beliefs that their leaders through the years have either gone away from, changed, or we just don't talk about it anymore. That doesn't mean it's not there. Although all this information is uh, for you to take in and receive, I hope that I am 
communicating that there are major differences between Christianity and other world religions. So the point I'm making is that we, Christians, followers of Christ, do not believe the same as Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and as we discussed today, the Roman Catholic Church. We do not serve the same God. We do not believe in the same Jesus. Now, having said all of that, I want to make perfectly clear that I enjoy serving those of all faith backgrounds in my ministry at the hospital. As a hospital chaplain, I am called to serve those who come into the hospital as a patient or their family members and staff in addition to all that. I am there to serve them and support them. And as I'm speaking with you today, we're still in the middle of the coronavirus. And I would like to share a story about uh, Catholic patients that request or the family requests the anointing of the sick. You might know it as last rites, but it's called the anointing of the sick. And it is very important to uh, Roman Catholics. There was a time, not presently, but a month or so ago, where we, the hospital, changed their visitation rules to zero visitors. And then it became one visitor, just like many other hospitals. They had to control the amount of people going in and out of the hospital because of the virus. Now, it is my job as a hospital chaplain to advocate for all faith traditions, and I do, and this is part of my job that I love and take very seriously. It is a privilege and an honor every day to serve those who have to be in the hospital because of illness or injury. So in these times of zero visitors or one visitor, when a patient is passing, when they are actively dying, it is my job and duty to uh, go to the people in charge, the administration, and tell them and advocate for them, for the patient, how important it is for a, a Roman Catholic to have the anointing of the sick. And a lot of the times it's not the patient, but it's the family who are calling me or, or I'm talking to and saying, this is really important for my loved one. And serving as their chaplain in those moments, it's a very sacred time. And I, I go the extra mile and I fight or advocate for a priest uh, to come up and perform this anointing. Now, this anointing is not important to me. I don't believe uh, what they believe. This is not my faith tradition. But if it's important to them, it's important to me, and I want to serve them. So many times I will go to the administration or supervisors of some type and say, Listen, I think we need to make this happen because these are uh, quote-unquote dying wishes, if you will. So in different circumstances, I've contacted priests and, and made it so they could come up and 
uh, anoint the, uh, the person and pray with them and speak with them. There, there's other ways that we've, we've gone over and beyond just to make this happen. You know, with technology today, we have Zoom or Skype or, or uh, just your regular cell phone, of course. So after saying all of that, I want to leave you with the reminder that we are here to love one another, especially during times like this. People are anxious, stressed. Uh, we don't want to divide in our humanity. We want to come together as a people. So if you were raised Roman Catholic or baptized Roman Catholic and uh, maybe you're a listener and you are Roman Catholic, I hope that you would not see this as a, a negative uh, in me bringing to light our differences and our different beliefs and faith traditions and doctrines and uh, scripture, extra uh, inspired words, um, etc. So um, if you're a Roman Catholic or was raised, you might, I, I hope that you could say, yeah, those are the differences. Yes, we have differences. And we, and we, that's, we, we live in a culture and a society that if we differ on things that we start attacking one another or disliking or, or think we're, we now have problems, that's not true. I would hope that a Roman Catholic listening to this would say, yes, this, you know, we have those differences. I, I do believe this way. And, and you being a Protestant, I do not believe what you believe. And I'm not saying, you know, that's okay in our differences. We don't believe the same thing. We're going to continue this series. Uh, we're going to be talking about Islam uh, and, and some others. But, you know, just like Mormon, just like uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and now Roman Catholics, we all have our differences. We all have our different beliefs. We're not going to fight about that. But my point in all of this is to uh, the Christians who follow Christ and, and the Holy Bible. Uh, I don't want them to be ignorant, you listening. I don't want you to be ignorant in thinking that, well, Mormons are Christians too. We just believe different. No, there's fundamental differences between us. Each one that I'm going to be talking about, we are not the same. And I would expect uh, those of you who who are a Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, Roman Catholic, a Muslim, we're going to be, you should be able to say back to me, this is correct. We do not believe the same. That's all. So this is not hate speech. This is not uh, putting you down. This was just for information. And so I, I hope that you can listen to this and uh, come away with a better understanding of what a Roman Catholic believes, their doctrines, and their faith tradition. Bonus material. All right, Book of Jude audience. I have told you before that Got Questions Ministries is a great resource. They answer hundreds of questions, if not thousands. And uh, I go there quite often. They have a teen site and a uh, children's site as well. They kind of take the same questions and break it down on their level. But I was scrolling through this week and I saw the question, what is the mark of the beast? And it, so it had a, a 
It has a man with a barcode on their forehead. And so I decided to read it. Now, number one, if, if I'm telling you, hey, Got Questions Ministries is a great resource, that does not mean that I agree with everything Got Question Ministries says. But I do find it quite interesting when I see what is the mark of the beast. And it says, according to the Bible, the mark of the beast will be identifiable by five characteristics. Do you know all five? And so you can read the, the, the blog. I'm not going to read it to you, of course, because I have found that the comments are very enjoyable, very entertaining. The things that people believe. So I... It seems like the author of this blog believes that the mark of the beast is, is future. It's going to happen. Of course, I don't take that on. I don't believe that that uh, we're waiting on someone to tattoo 666 on my forehead or my right hand or whatever it is. So I'm not going to name names, but I just want to read you some of these comments if you want to be entertained. Here we go. The rapture will take place before this happens. People, be ready. Oh, boy, here we go. Before the mark of the beast, the rapture will take place. Uh, okay, um, so when does the sun and stars falling to earth take place? When is that? Now they have started talking about the vaccine for the coronavirus, I guess. I, I don't know. Uh, there is no conspiracy theory about the vaccine being mandated. That exact thing has been advocated by many in governing positions and other health experts. Quote, unquote. Someone says, right, what was considered a conspiracy theory is coming to pass in our everyday lives. Just in case, what if, dot, 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 what if the vaccines, they typed this, so they, they made sure that the dot, dot, dot was there. What if the vaccines they are about to propose for this pandemic will give you the freedom to roam around and buy stuff? And those who will refuse will be denied of food and essential need. Are they This can't be serious. That can't be a real person. In Germany, the vaccine isn't going to be the uh, mandatory. The citizens can choose for themselves. Oh, okay. So we're saying the vaccine is the mark of the beast, I think. I think that's where we've... But they've mandated vaccines before, and they did during other pandemics. They cannot force you to get the shot. Why are we talking about this? The book of Revelation doesn't mention Antichrist, not even once. Amen. You are correct, sir. If the mark of the beast, which is a number of a man, is something that's physically imprinted or injected, then you must explain in what way believers will have the Father's name on their foreheads in the next chapter. Exactly. I believe this is symbolic language taken out of the Old Testament. I believe it's, hey, he's right. He's right. He's got good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, this might be a good one. Ever thought why they will do it? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Can't love God and money. Gonna have to make a choice if you are here still in that time of forcing of the mark. Otherwise, you can't work. Emoji winking. Also, God is omnipresent. Satan is not. He will use technology, RFI, RFID chips. Yes, paper money will fall away so they can watch what everyone does with their quote-unquote God 
money pre-rapture believers, I'm one, how can, oh, oh, she's one. She's a pre-raptured believer. All right. So she, she, <laughs> she is going to heaven whether God likes it or not. She is a pre-raptured believer. Man, how do I get one of those tickets? Someone else, I've been seeing a lot of this lately, and people are scared about this, and I wanted to do a deeper study of Revelation and the book of Daniel to understand better the end times prophecies. I know some people are scared it could be this new vaccine. Why? So I was thinking about it. So I was thinking about that, period. I do know the needles for vaccine are much too small to implant a chip. Wow. I'm glad we have you here. Those require such bigger needles. So we're good, I think. Watch. The next time the vet puts a chip in a dog, those needles are huge. Oh, okay. So we can take our dogs to the vet and figure it out. That. So I don't think we can accidentally be chipped or accidentally receive this mark and not know about it. It is to be something where we can't buy or sell. So far, people can re still refuse the vaccine if they still... And they can still buy or sell. Of course. What is the law that obligates to marked on every product? Can y'all go to school a little bit? He has question marks. Where that mark placed on every believer of that said product? Where that mark placed? Where that mark placed? Is that what he's <laughs> Does every product marked had or have to be prayed i'm done i'm done with you if you look up the word mark of the beast in a strong dictionary you boy that dictionary better be strong probably <laughs> uh probably saying strong's dictionary concordance will read uh, in fact a physical mark not a figurative mark that will be stamped or imprinted on people's foreheads and hands. So you better look at the I mean, a, look it up in a strong dictionary, not them weak dictionaries. In regards to the chips, they can always be reprogrammed or changed. Oh, there you go. To incorporate the number. Oh my gosh, they're gonna give us seven 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 and change it to six six six. My goodness, thank you, Victoria. Also, I thought the Antichrist is already here. What? <laughs> he just hasn't been revealed yet. Tell us more. So someone could implement these things and no one thinks he's the Antichrist at first. That's how That's how they're going to get us. She's got it right here. Uh especially since he'll be he'll he'll be revered by many. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You're daggone right, you don't. They've already created a vaccine patch that has a barcode that is placed into the skin and can be scanned to show that you've gotten the vaccine. Technology today can be easily manipulated. Gates, Bill Gates, talked about people getting a digital tattoo to show who has the COVID, well, COV, she said, and who got the vaccine. Then they were talking about, it's always they. Who were they? They were talking. Then they were talking about how it wouldn't, how you didn't. Man, people, I'm telling you, 
English. Uh, if you didn't, you won't be able to go back to work. We shouldn't be implanting or putting anything like that into our skin or preventing people from working because they refuse the vaccine. And she put a link to somebody. Okay, what's this person say? Come on, somebody give me. Oh, man. The rapture will happen. But remember, the left behind Kurt Cameron movies remain faithful and steadfast to God. This COVID-19 is just a taste of how humanity will react with confusion and chaos. Except Jesus, except Jesus, now before it's too late, the Lord is patient and waiting. This woman said, remember the Left Behind series and put Kirk Cameron's name. It's true. It's important. It's very interesting to me. Here's somebody else. The seal, mark, sign, insignia are interchangeable of God is contained in the fourth commandment. Starts off with remember because we have a tendency to forget. This is... This is profound. And further in the commandment, it has his seal. What are you talking about? As I understand the chip, stop talking. It contains all of your medical and personal information. If you agree to its implantation, the one world government, I was waiting for that, could control and take over the life and mind of one who chooses to have it. Oh, so the chip's going to take over the mind. Uh, uh oh, Lord have mercy. We won't be here, so no worries. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> we won't be here. Who cares? But the ones that are will see the Antichrist rise and hence the mark of the beast. But this could very well be the precursor to it, the quantum tattoo Dots are very interesting. I'm lost. As believers, we won't be here for this part. Dot, dot, dot. However, do I completely feel confident to say that the RFID chip, RIFD chip, to say uh, will probably be the tool used? Yes. Everything that is happening is just... Part of the process to get the final fulfillment of prophecy. The chip is becoming more and more talked about, and I don't see them slowing or stopping its progression. We may be a long ways off. He used a lot of those. But they didn't build Rome in a day. You're kidding. I thought they did. The way I read the Bible is the rapture takes place before the mark capital M for Mark. So in other words, I will not be here. And another thought is the end is rigged. God wins. <laughs> I get it. The mark of the beast is on your grocery store. What? The mark of the... It's the same dude from earlier. The mark of the beast is on your grocery store's world... Worldwide right now, dot, dot, dot. This man commented twice, and he still can't talk. 
this is not the mark of the beast, just like COVID-19 is not the deadly disease which will throw the world into a panic causing... Okay, you sound like you're smart. You sound like you're smart. So if I take an RFID chip in order to buy or sell while it's still optional, it won't count when the Antichrist steps in and makes it mandatory. <laughs> she won't make sure she can still get to the grocery store. People don't get caught up into this. This is... Uh, entertainment value, uh, don't get caught up into it, please. This is not, you know, won't be here. Oh, <laughs> won't be here, dot, dot, dot. As for what the mark is, dot, dot, dot. I trust that the Holy Spirit will reveal, reveal, reveal what it is, dot, 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 chip, comma, Vaccine, comma, GPS, comma, 5G, comma, patches, dot, dot, dot. But as I said, I'm going to be gone with Jesus before the Antichrist is leader. I'm trusting in God's revelations to be given to us, dot, dot, dot.